As you know, we're going to be in Ephesians today, in chapter 6. Before I get into it, um, in my life I've had a lot of jobs. My family knows this. I've done some weird things in my life. Um, I've detached with corn. Have I done that? Yeah? Sorry to you. A lot of, lot of teams around here have done that. I want everywhere. I uh, worked in fast food. I worked at Bullock's Garages building picking tables. I've, I've planted flowers on a college campus. I've been. I've worked in a computer lab. I've worked at three or four different moving companies. Uh, Lincoln Land Moving and Storage, which is now Straw Pack over here. <laughs> you might remember Lincoln Land Moving and Storage. Um, I've worked at uh, McLean. I started off there in the sanitation department. Eventually worked somewhere else. I've, Delivered pizza. I worked at a cheese factory. I was a vacuum cleaner salesman once. I used to sweep the floors of the village mall back when they had stores. <laughs> um, I've been a sound guy at a college. I've done maintenance at a few different places. Um, obviously, I've been a teacher. I've been a painter. Um, I've done construction. I've broke houses. I mean, you name it. I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. Um, most recently, obviously, being a teacher and, and uh, always a short order cook for two hours. They, they let me go because I cut my finger real bad. <laughs> um, metal grinding. Um, I worked at a blind factory one time where they gave me all these like Venetian blinds. And they gave me all these blinds, and they were all different shades of white, and they said, sort them out. And so all I had was stacks and stacks of blinds, and I had to put off-white, this color white, eggshell white. They all looked the same to me. I was sitting there going, what? That was a horrible job. Carpet cleaner. Oh, you name it. In all those jobs, I've learned a lot of different things, obviously, some different skills along the way. Um... But you learn a lot about what it means to work, don't you, in different jobs that you take. Working is an important part of my life. It's become something, that one, one of the things that just has become something that, that is like really important to me. Like, What does it mean to work? And what I love is that there's a, there's a wonderful biblical view of work, how God views work. One of my favorite things I tell people is that work was invented before sin came into the world. Right? There was work before there was sin. So work isn't a, a, a bad thing. In fact, you know, God, if anything, he gave Adam a job, and he, it, the Bible says that God looked at everything and said, Behold, it was very good. And so you have to understand that work is not a bad thing in and of itself. Work became a, a toil after sin came into the world. There's certain aspects of work that were affected that God specifically revealed <coughs> Adam. But I have to say that the, the biblical view of work, I, I just absolutely love. The thing about work is that any, any, anybody can get up here and tell you how you ought to work. Right? In fact, I could probably get any of us in this room and say, how, what does it mean to be a good worker? And, and I think everybody in this room could probably tell you, this is what it looks like to be a good worker. This is what it means to be a good worker. Some of us have said, I've, you know, in my life I've strived to be a good worker. Right? Work is an important thing for you as well. But what I love about Scripture is the Bible doesn't just tell us how to work, like what it looks like to be a good worker. 
The Bible tells us what work is ultimately about. It tells us why we ought to be good, hard workers. So I want to share the passage that we're going to be in today. In Ephesians chapter 6, it's going to be verses 5 through 9. And uh, I want to read this to you. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you to see as well. Uh, we're going to read Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. And this is stemmed from a, a place where uh, Paul had just talked about uh, the importance of submitting to one another. And he talks about relationships in the home. And now he's moved outside of the home to relationships where you where you work. And so let's go through this passage, Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, start off with verse 5. It says, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same thing to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Let's pray before I dig into this passage. Our Heavenly Father, I ask that you would bless us as we look to your word this morning. God, I pray that you would teach us from your word what it looks like to be a Christian in the workplace. Lord, give us your wisdom today. Uh, guide my words as I preach. Lord, open hearts, open ears. I just pray in your name. Amen. First of all, let me talk about that first word there. And that first verse is that bond servants of versions say slaves. In the Roman Empire, there were about 60 million people that would have been what we would consider a slave or a bond servant. Everybody in the Roman Empire was either a slave or a free person. And there was more slaves than there were free people in the mm-hmm. Roman Empire. And so you have to understand when Paul writes this, he's writing to a lot of people that weren't free. And so he's writing this. In fact, in those days, as we've seen in our own country with slavery, slavery can be a cruel, cruel thing. Can it not? And, and, and there, was, there were cruel slave masters in Paul's day as well. And so it's interesting that as Paul delves into this, his first goal is not to change society. His first goal is to deal with what we ought to do as Christians. And he makes it real simple. It's a simple command, but a very challenging one, knowing what it could look like. But he says to do this, he says obey. That's challenging. Especially in cruel, difficult situations. Obey. And he says obey your masters as far as as your earthly master goes. Obey that earthly master as as, as much as you can. According to the flesh, the, the, the reality is you can be in a situation where somebody is over you. As Christians, we can look at it today and we can say, you know, there's still a reality that as, as Christians, we have people who are over us. Some of us are over other people. But even those people have some people over them. There's always someone that we may have to submit to, we may have to obey. But Paul doesn't just leave it at that. He doesn't just say obey. He delves in a little bit deeper. And I want to share with you how this relates to the gospel I'm going to quote from a guy named William Barclay. William Barclay says this. He says, We must know what Paul's advice to such slaves was, for here uh, we will get the gospel of the Christian workmen. He does not tell them to rebel. He tells them to be Christian where they are. Here's the great message of Christianity to every man. The message is that it is where God has set us that we must live out the Christian life. This is so important. Where God has you in your life, this is where God has it for you to live out that Christian life. There's places in the Bible where he even tells people, 
Don't, don't change your occupation. Be where you're at. So many, that's what he wants. There's a few exceptions where he calls people into ministry. But for the most part, he calls us to be a Christian where we are. He says this, he says, the circumstances may be, against, may be all against us, but that only makes the challenge greater. Christianity does not offer escape from circumstances. Listen to this, it offers what? Conquest of those circumstances. Now I'm going to get back to this and what this means as I delve into this a little bit deeper is what Paul says. So let's go back. He says, obey. But let's look at how he connects this obedience. First of all, number one, he says, obey your earthly masters with, he says, fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Now, I want you to hear that there's going to be four times where Paul connects what you do with Christ. Okay, this is an important connection that you cannot miss. He says, I want you to connect, he says, with a sincere as you would Christ. Notice, first of all, he says, fear and trembling. Now, this does not mean you're cringing. That's not what Paul's talking about. Uh, Calvin defines it as careful respect that springs from honest purpose. Careful respect that springs from an honest purpose. When he's talking about fear and trembling, he's not talking about cringing. He's talking about, I get this idea, hey, if you've ever played sports, you're, you're, it's not about what the crowd thinks at one point. It's not about how, who's going to respond. You're just sitting there thinking, I want to make this shot. Or if you're giving a speech and you just want to do well. Where it's not as much about how people are going to think. There's something important to you. This is what we're talking about. I also think about it in terms of if you've got somebody that you know and you love and you're working for them, you're like, man, I want to do a great job for this person. That's what he's talking about. Fear and trembling is a respect, a genuine from the heart. Notice he says that sincere heart or subversion say a singleness of heart. In other words, it's not split motivations. He's saying, I genuinely, there's a genuineness there. I genuinely, Paul says, you want to genuinely work for this purpose. And notice what he says, for Christ. As if you're doing it for Jesus. Think about that. Paul's saying, I want you to work as if the work that you're doing was for. So forget the master that you got for a minute. I want you to work as if you're doing it for Christ. And so, number one, this is going to increase the quality of our work. I mean, how many of us in here, if we said, if Jesus showed up and said, I want you to do this, most of us say, well, Jesus showed up and said, do this, man, I would be. You know, and I think it's so important for, for even students and the work that they do in school. That you should do your work as if it was for Jesus. And don't miss this. Whether you go, I agree with that or not. This is from the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. God views your work this way. And so what Paul is sharing with you is less about just teaching you what to do and more about revealing to you what work is actually about. God has you in the circumstances that you're in. And he wants you to work as if you're working for him. He's got some purpose that he has you in that spot. Does that make sense? So this could seriously improve the quality of work. See, a good work ethic only goes so far. A lot of you in this room have a great work ethic. But I'm telling you right now, some of you in this room that have a good work ethic have had your good work ethic for all the wrong reasons. Now what's neat is that in this country, I think that work ethic might dig back to these reasons that it was for Christ at one point. But you don't want to forget who you're working 
for ultimately. But this can improve the quality of work. It, it, it eliminates the connection between the person you're working for and the quality of work. I mean, how many of you had a, a boss you didn't like, and so when you had a boss you didn't like, what happens to the work? Does it go downhill? Hopefully not. In fact, this truth, working as if you're working for Christ, is going to eliminate that, isn't it? Because if all the work you do, regardless of the boss that you have, is ultimately for Jesus Christ, you can go into work and say, man, I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm doing this for him. I'm not working for this guy. You know, he's an idiot. I'm working for Christ. Right? I'm working for Jesus. So I'm going to do a good job because of him. And so this can improve the quality of work. And if you want people to understand that about it, if you want people to see Christ, you, one of the best ways you can do this is doing a good job while you work. And they ask me, you do a great job. And you say, that I'm doing it for Jesus. They might think you're nut at that point, but that's okay. I'm doing this for Christ. It improves the quality of the work. It's not just about a good work ethic. It's about ultimately connecting what you do as if you were doing it for him. Notice he says this next thing. He's... Uh, Next verse, he says, not by the way of eye service. And by the way, that eye service, Paul the Apostle may have been the one who coined that Greek phrase. It's not found in, in many places before this, but it's, you see it in some Greek literature after this. And so it's possible that Paul the Apostle coined the phrase eye service. That's kind of a neat word, isn't it? Eye service. What, what's he talking about? Doing service when you're being <laughs> watched. Today, that happens a little bit easier. You can go to businesses and there's cameras up in the corner. You're always being watched, right? There's big brothers watching you. Uh, but, you know, there's a reality. And what does Paul say? He says, not by the way of eye service. So the good work you do, don't just do it by the way of eye service, like a people pleaser. But what's he want you to do? Not by just the way of eye service as a people pleaser, but what? What's it say? But as bond servants of who? You can participate. Christ. Of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. See what he does? Is the second notice, what's he connecting your work to? He's taking it back to Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as if you were a bond servant of Christ. Eye service, clearly people pleaser, clearly we know what these things mean. Eye service is saying, uh, you're doing a good job. But we've all known that guy too, haven't you? Maybe you've been that guy and you don't want to admit it right now, but anybody know that guy? You're sitting there and, and he's not doing anything. The boss comes up and he's like, oh, He's, he's, he's working real hard now because the boss is here, the boss leaves, and he's, he's going back taking a smoke break again. Anybody been in situations like that? Oh, yeah. I said, we see it right through it. One of the things I've tried to do as a teacher is uh, way back when I first started getting, because as teachers you get observed by your principal, one of the things I tried to do as a teacher is I said, you know, I don't want the kids to see me doing that kind of ridiculous stuff. And so I decided that as a teacher, however I teach on a regular basis, that's what I'm going to do when the principal comes in to observe me. I'm not going to change my behavior just because he's there. Well, I changed my behavior, but what did it force me to change? All of my behavior, not just when he was there. You know, am I going to be working the way I should be working as if the principal was there all the time? If I really wanted my kids to see this, this Mr. Holmes guy, he's no different And you know, when the principal's here than any other time. In fact, I'm getting observed on Monday. So I'm thinking about this. First period Monday, my principal's going to walk in. He's, my, he's our neighbor. He lives right there. He's going to walk in, and, and, and he's going he's to sit down in the back of the room. I'm going to teach like normal. He's going to be sitting there watching me. He's going to have his little pad. You know But the thing is, I'm not working for him. I'm working for Jesus. So I can, I can disassociate in that way. I know that I'm not just trying to be a, a, a people pleaser. I'm not just trying to make him happy. It's not just about being a, a person trying to please man. What this does is this increases the consistency 
of your work. I mean, think about it this way. If your boss decided, I'm going to attach a camera to your helmet so I can see what you're doing all the time. It's going to come out like this and just point it at you all the time. You, can, you will be watched by me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I will see how you're working for me. It, that, that could change your work. Or if they just put up a, a, a camera in your in your work room where you're at, or if they put up a camera in the you, you, so there's some you can often wouldn't why because you, you're always underneath God. Well, this is what Paul's doing. He's saying the reality is if you're really working for Christ, is not isn't He everywhere? <coughs> Doesn't He see everything? See, and if you disassociate, say forget about who I'm working for here. That this earthly master, I know that ultimately what I'm doing, I'm doing for Christ. It will increase the quality, but it also increases the consistency that you're going to be doing that kind of work all the time because you're working for Him. You're working for Christ. All right, number three. That is what he says next. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. So he says, rendering service. This is an interesting phrase. It ties, it connects the service you're actually doing to the Lord in an even deeper way than we've already said. Okay? So it's taking the service that you're doing and attaching it as to the Lord. Uh, And notice he says, uh, goodwill, right? Rendering service, he says, uh, with goodwill. And then he says, as to the Lord and not to men. And so he's, he's tying these things all in here together that you're doing this for Christ ultimately. Okay? I mean, you're actually working for him. Let yourself chew on that. I know I, I know. it sounds like maybe I'm saying the same thing here. You're like, but, but notice what this could do. This could improve the attitude, Right? Improves the attitude of the worker. I mean, if you want a good work ethic to stem from the right thing, it's got to ultimately tie back to the fact that you are working for Christ. That's why Paul says with goodwill. That it improves that attitude. It's not just about, oh, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. You're, you're ultimately working for the Lord. All work is God's work. Now, let me tell you. If you don't catch anything else I say all day, I want you to hear this. What this is doing, some of us have this opinion that that there's sacred work and secular work. That's kind of a a typical breakdown. Uh, What what that means is there's there's jobs you can do that are religious jobs, and there's jobs you can do that are just jobs. And what Paul is doing in this passage is he takes that division and he says, that doesn't actually exist. See, the work that I do as a, a pastor, as far as God's concerned, what I'm doing right now isn't any more religious than when I go to school to teach. Or when I used to sell vacuums. Or when I, you know, made RV sandwiches. Or, you know, get tasseled corn. Or, you know, any of those things. As far as God's concerned, this one isn't any more righteous or holy than any other job. They're all rendered to the Lord. What this means is that everything that you do, whether you believe it or not, is done for Christ. It all matters. There's nothing that you can do that God says, well, that's just something to get by. No, it matters. How I love this is that this means that, uh, I mentioned this uh, last week, this means that you can take a kid that's in, in school, and, and they're sitting there, and they're like, man, one day I want to be a missionary. I want to do this. I want to do this, this thing for God. The thing is, 
you know, frankly, you don't know you're going to make it that far. You, you may not make it out of high school. God may come back. You may be killed in car wreck. I want to talk about that kind of stuff, but hey, it's a reality. The thing is, you could stand before God today, and you might be thinking, I haven't done anything for God. No, 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 no. Everything you do can be done for him. Paul even said in one place, whatsoever you do, whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. There is nothing that God does not see as something that can be done for him. And so you can take somebody that seemingly, from, from our perspective, on the on an hour opinion, doesn't look like they've done anything magnificent or amazing. Because stand before God one day, and you can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because what I gave you to do, you did a great job. Well done. But all you gave me to do was clean the things. So I've done that job too. Don't tell, don't tell me that's not just as much to be done for God's glory as getting a preacher. Uh, before I moved back up here, I worked at a church, and I was a guy cleaning the toilets. Do you think God looks at what I'm doing now and says, oh, this is so much better than that? Do you think that's what he says? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. All that you do, there's no division in the scripture between secular stuff, just stuff that happened, and what's sacred and holy. No, everything to God can be done for him. That is so important. That means whatever you're doing in life, whatever place that God has you in life, you need to go out, you need to live it, and render that service as if it was for Christ. Because he sees it that way. Don't think that he doesn't, because this is what is being revealed to us right now in Scripture. Christ sees your work as being rendered to him, whether you see it that way or not, or whether you do it that way or not. He sees that work as being done and rendered for him. That means all those bad attitudes you might have while you're working, or all the complaining that you're doing because you wish you had a different job, or you wish you were doing something different, all that stuff you're doing, you have to understand that the person that has put you in the place you're in is God. And he's got something for you to do in that place of life that you're in right now. And he wants you to render that service as if you're rendering it for him. Colossians 3.23, I don't think I have that one up there, uh, says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. But number four here, knowing that whatever good anyone does, see, I, I, I'm so glad this is in here as well. Knowing whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord whether he's a bondservant or free. No matter what station of life you're in, the work that you're doing, if it's really true that you're rendering the service for the Lord, God will remember what you've done. Right? Uh, a man named uh, Patsy writes a commentary, says the reward motif of this reward idea illustration is introduced into the discussion as a reminder that there is more to life than poor working conditions or one's paycheck. There's more to life than that. You may be in a, a job that you feel like, oh man, you got to understand. In God's view, He's got you there for a reason. And you're talking to a guy. If you tell me I'm in this job, I just wish you could. You're talking. To, you're going to talk to a guy. If you talk to me about it, I will totally understand. I do it all the time. There's been plenty of jobs I've been in thinking, oh man, I would love to get out of this job, right? But you have to understand that God has you there for a reason. 
Don't try to rush his plan for your life, trying to get to the next thing and the next thing that you want to do. Understand that the place he's got you, he's got you there for a reason. You can worship him and honor him in your work. Don't forget that. Colossians says the same thing. He says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I mean, if you're serving the Lord, you think he doesn't pay his employees? He does. You're working for that. And, and there's nothing wrong with this. Paul introduces this into the conversation. He says, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, you're working for the Lord. But he says, the Lord knows what you're doing. He sees it. And you get to stand before him one day, and he's going to say, well done, good, faithful servant. So this increases the outcome of your good work. You may feel like you're working in a thankless position, a thankless job that nobody appreciates and nobody sees what you're doing. And that's just a lie from Satan, because God sees what you're doing. And when you do a good job as if you're doing it for him, he sees it even if nobody else does. He knows what you've done and what you're doing. You're working for the Lord. And if nobody appreciates you, God still sees. If you don't get paid what you think you should have gotten for the amount of work you did, God still sees. Lay aside the complaining. Lay aside the, the, the frustration of where you're at. Lay all that aside and realize that God has you there. You're working for the Lord. This increases the outcome of that good work. But now, Paul, as he's done twice before, he's going to take this whole thing and flip it on his head. Remember, I keep saying this word that Paul's countercultural. See, the Bible sometimes goes right in line with the culture. And sometimes you see the Bible going completely against the culture. Well, here's a time where when Paul, what Paul says next totally flips everything on his head. What does he say next? He says this. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening. Knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. See, because in the same church, in fact, we have one of the letters in, in, in Scripture is, is written to a, a slave owner who had the slave that was coming back. The slave had gotten saved and he was coming back. And, and, and Paul's right to this slave owner telling him some things too. Paul says, do the same thing. Now understand that this, oh, this is not cooking well today. Do the same thing to them. Uh, John Gill says this, he says, This does not refer to service and obedience, but to singleness of heart, to benevolence, that goodwill, to humanity, and a regard to Christ. Knowing that ultimately this person that's working for you is ultimately working for Christ, and that what you're doing, you're doing for Christ, it's all for him. And the will of God, and, and, to, and to the doing of good things, and to the performance of their duty, as they would have their servants do theirs. And so in other words, Paul's saying, you as a master, you if you're over people, and we think about this as bosses, I think about this as a teacher, because I'm, I'm trying to get my kids to do this work, try to get the homework done, try to do these things here. Knowing this, demonstrating this, showing them what it looks like is what I can do as a teacher. Demonstrating what, what does good work look like? How does that demonstrate it in my life? If I want them to be kind, I'm kind to them. If I want them to be respectful, I'm respectful to them. It's turning this whole thing around. Notice as well, he says, stop the threatening. Stop the threatening. On a personal note, that usually doesn't work anyway. You know, how well does that go to just sit there and say, if you do that one more time, I'm going to 
doesn't work that well. Anyway, what a great way to lead people into work as a master, someone that's over someone, as to lead them in with compassion, goodwill, looking to the best. Notice what he said there. He says, knowing that their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. There's no partiality with God. Uh, William Barclay again says this. He says, and above all, you must remember that the day comes when he and those over whom he was set will stand before God and listen to this. And then the ranks of the world, the ranks of the world will no longer be relevant. I like that. This society we live with, is, there's some rankings that happen, isn't there? In God's kingdom, all those rankings in this world will no longer be relevant. God is going to set all things straight. When we think about what this means for us, I think, first of all, I think this is one of the reasons why Christianity, Paul, didn't have to preach the end of slavery in the Roman society. Right? Slavery came to an end because of what Paul was saying about how to be a Christian where you're at. It played a huge part in, in America as it the, the end of slavery in our own country. Because it taught that ultimately those rankings will not be existent. We will all stand before God as children of God together. But what we need to think about more than even those things is, as far as we're concerned, what does this mean for us? What does it mean for you, right now, today? I think, first of all, I think it should mean, I believe it should mean, that we should be thankful. We should be thankful that Jesus Christ came to this world and worked hard for us. Because if I were to come up here today and talk to you about what it looks like to be a good worker, and I would tell you, you're working for Christ. I'm sure that some of you are sitting there thinking, man, I'm thinking back to these times I didn't, I wasn't working hard because I had a bad boss, or I wasn't hard working hard because I didn't think I was getting paid what I deserved, or I wasn't working hard because of these things. You, you didn't realize, you didn't know you were working for Christ. Here's the thing. Be thankful that Jesus Christ came to this world. He worked hard to be the Savior that we needed. He went all the way to the cross for you. So when you stand before God, what I'm talking to you today about is not about, hey, you've got to be a good worker so that God will accept you. We're accepted because of Jesus. Let's so be thankful that Jesus has done all of the hard work for us when it comes to salvation. So we're not talking to you about being more righteous with God and how, to, how, how will God like you better. No, no, see, all that's gone because of what Christ did for us. That's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is the fact that you now have the privilege to work for Christ. And so in addition to being thankful that Christ has done the work for us, we don't have to sit here and think, oh man. In fact, I, I think about this when I think, you know, there's a lot of you in this room that are retired now. Right? Your days of, you know, punching the clock and going in day after day, most of that's over with. But your work isn't done as long as you're on this planet, is it? God's got things for you to do. Be thankful as well that God is making this you know, known to you today. So that the time that you have, you say, okay, Lord, I didn't, I didn't get this later, but Lord, you're letting me know this now. I'm going to work for you. I want to spend the, my days working for you. 
I want what I do to be done for you. Some of you in this room are right in the middle of it. I mean, you're, you're right in those years, those working years. You're right there. Some of us are in the early end of it, we're in some of us in the middle. Some of us are right in those working years. Know that God sees your work. He knows what you're doing. He's aware of what you're doing. And you're working for Him. Praise God for that. You may feel like you're in a dead-end job or a pointless job or a thankless job, but know that none of that is true when you work for the King of the Universe. You're working for Him. Some of you are young, in high school. Know that that work matters to God. That work actually matters to God. What you do, how you do your schoolwork matters to the God of the universe. He said so right here in the book of Ephesians. All of your work that you do, you do for him. Don't do it for the great. Don't do it just so you pass. Don't do it to keep your parents off your back. Do your work because you know that there's the God of the universe, the Savior of the world, who came and worked hard for you. And he's saying, hey, you know, you get the opportunity. You can work for me. You may think that it feels like you're working for your teacher or working for your parents or working for these you're ultimately working for me. Finally, some of you in this room are in a place where you're, you're, you're trying to show people what it looks like to be a good worker. And maybe you get frustrated sometimes because you, you feel like in, in, in the country right now, it feels like there's a lot of people that don't have a good work ethic. They're not willing to work for what they want. And, and, and it frustrates you because you spent your life working for everything. You got nothing. There was no free handouts for you. And you're just, man, I'm so frustrated. You know, people need to be workers. Understand that just because you had a good work ethic, you could have been working for all the wrong reasons. And now is the opportunity for you to change that and say, all right, Lord, I want to repent for those years of working for selfish reasons. Maybe you're working because you're just proud. You're so proud of yourself because you've been such a great worker. You're full of pride. Don't think that God is pleased with that. His work that he's concerned with is a work that is from the heart of the goodwill is seeking to please Him. It's not about making yourself look better. It's not about being a people pleaser, doing eye service, or, or any of those other things. It's about working for Jesus. So repent and say, Lord, I, I've been proud. I've been full of pride because I've been a good one. Even saying that makes you sound like a proud person, doesn't it? I'm so proud because I'm a good one. Humble yourself before God and say, Lord, I. I've been working for all the wrong reasons. I want to work for you. The last days that I have, I want to work for you. Finally, I want you to rejoice that one day you're going to stand before God. All the negative aspects of work will be gone. That's exciting, isn't it? I think we're going to have stuff to do in heaven. I think there's work that's going to be done. But you're not going to get tired. Your motives will be completely cleaned out and you'll be serving Christ and you'll see him when you serve him. That is exciting, isn't it? Some of you that are, are in that retirement age, so sometimes you get to that point you, you miss, uh, believe it or not, I miss uh, the, the, the work I used to do driving a truck and working for the furniture movement. I miss doing that kind of stuff sometimes. I'm like, oh, I wish you could go back. And there's something good about it. You just feel good when you have a really hard job and and you're sweating, you get the job done. It just feels good. I miss that sometimes. I know that one day there's going to be an opportunity for me to work for God. To do 
do that work again. That means all of you, those of you that have gotten to a place where you're like, man, I just can't do the stuff I used to go to do, one day you're going to get to work for him again. Isn't that great? But all the negative aspects were gone. He was working for the king in a perfect body, in a perfect time. That's great. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you that this week, as you go back to your jobs, if you haven't, if you're going to school, just helping out somebody else. Working, doing whatever work you're doing around the house. I want to pray for you this week that this week would be a week that whether you've never done it, maybe you've never done this before, but this would be a week that you would say, all right, God, this is your week. I'm working for you from this point on. Whatever work I do, it's for you. I'm done working for myself. I'm done working for the paycheck. I'm done working. I'm working for you. I recognize now that whatever I have to do this week, whatever you, I've got laid out before me, it's something that you have ordained in my life, and I want to do it for you and for your glory. I pray that you bless that work. And so I want to pray that for you right now before I dismiss you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do want to pray for you, pray for everyone in this room today, including myself. Lord, I ask that you would help us this week to be a group of people that are going out into the world to, to do the jobs that we have, the work that we have, whether it be at home or somewhere else. Lord, whatever we've got laid out for us this week, whether it be volunteer work or work for pay or whatever it is, Lord, I pray that this week, whatever we do, God, let us work for you. And render the service that we have to be done for you as if we were doing it for Christ himself. Lord, let us work for you. I pray for those in this room that are students. Help them to do their schoolwork for you. Help them to study for you and to get their math homework done for you. I pray for those in, in, in jobs where there's physical labor involved, Lord, that they're working hard every day. Lord, I pray that you would bless them with good health to continue the work. And, but Lord, I pray that maybe if they've gone off the, off track a little bit and they're frustrated about the job they're in, they, and Lord, help them this week to recognize that they're doing this for you. That you see you're a good boss. And you see all that's happening. Lord, I pray for those that might be uh, in their retirement years now, Lord, and maybe they're looking back thinking, oh, I've blown where I wasn't looking for, working for you, I was working for me. But I pray that the days that they have now, Lord, they would repent today and recognize that, that, that Christ has done all the hard work for us in our salvation. But Lord, they can still work for you the days that they have, Lord, they can continue to say, okay, Lord, the rest of the time I have it's yours. I'm working for you. Lord, I pray that you bless it. Bless the work that we have. Or bless the jobs that we have. Bless the people that we work with. Give us opportunity in the middle of that to glorify you, to make you look really great. Give us chances to, to say, when people ask, well, why are you working so hard? I said, I love Jesus. I'm working for him. Well, let us do that. So that you might be glorified. And more people might know who you are and how great you are. In Jesus' name I pray.